CTM podcast. I'm Gwen Trezida and I'm here today with two primary teachers, Matt Curtis and Emma Parr. Today we are addressing the issue of teaching mixed age classes. The national curriculum for Key Stage 1 and 2 is very specifically split into year group objectives. Teaching for Mastery also advocates children sticking to their age appropriate objectives and then understanding these to a greater depth rather than being accelerated on to objectives from later years. So in this context, teachers faced with mixed-age classes are often, understandably, wondering how to manage year group objectives from two, or often more, year groups. Many maths hubs have responded to this by running their own innovation work groups to support teachers and schools with mixed-age teaching. In fact, so many of the maths hubs have expressed the need for these work groups that the maths hub network has now established a national project, with work groups available in many maths hubs across the country and a nationally managed evaluation. So what is the National Project recommending in terms of how to manage mixed-age teaching? My two teachers here today both teach mixed-age classes and are this year running workgroups in mixed-age teaching for their maths hubs. So let me introduce them. So Matt Curtis comes from the East Midlands West Maths Hub. So Matt, hello. Hi. Can you just tell me a little bit about what, what your school is and what your role is in school, please? Yeah, uh, I'm the maths lead and deputy head at a school in uh, Hucknall in Nottinghamshire. Uh, we have a pan of 45 children, which we have two um, classes in reception of 22 and 23, and then after that we split into three classes of 30 for year one, two, year three, four, and year five, six. Okay, so if I'm understanding right, you have three parallel classes? Yes, and each of those th- groups of three covers two year groups? Yes, that's right. Okay, right, okay. And uh, which class do you teach? I teach year three, four. Okay. Um, and Emma, you're from Hi. BBO Maths Hub. Yeah. Just remind us what the BBO stands for. Um, Bucks, Barks and Oxen. Okay. We Buckinghamshire, Berkshire, um, Berkshire and Oxfordshire. Okay, thank you. And you'll tell us about your school and your role. So we, um, I work at a small school um, in uh, South Oxfordshire um, in a village called Chelsea. Um, and we have traditionally, for quite a long time now, been a 45 intake. Um, actually, this year, for the first time, um, we have 60 coming in. So we have some classes this year that are single year group. But for the last 10 years, we've had mixed year groups throughout in exactly the same way as Matt actually three parallel classes within each phase right okay um and I believe you're also a mastery specialist is that right yes I'm a mastery specialist from cohort three um and I'm maths lead at my school okay and Matt you have been in a teaching for mastery work group is that right I have yeah yeah a couple of years ago so both these teachers are in schools that are implementing teaching for mastery and so they've got experience of teaching for mastery with mixed age classes which is why I'm interviewing them okay Right, so the, the reason I've grabbed these two is because we're at the first training day for the workgroup leads in, um, for this national project. Um, and what I'm picking up in the sessions is that there is no one-size-fits-all answer to mixed-age teaching. Um, and they're both nodding their heads at me here <laughs> <Absolutely>. now. <laughs> so I've picked these two because I think, although, they, although their schools have a similar size intake and they're mixing two-year groups, I think their schools are dealing with this in different ways so um why don't I turn over to one of them first Matt do you want to start and tell us how your school is addressing the mixed age issue 
Yeah, uh, well, I started at my school just over four years ago, uh, and at the time, having the, uh, as I said, I teach in year three, four, and having the three year three, four classes, I believe that uh, what they initially did, they used to um, have for maths a year three group, a year four group, and a mixed year three, four. Um, and when I came in, uh, I decided that I wanted to try something a little bit different. Um, I'd already been at my previous school, uh, follow, just starting the first year or so, following the mastery approach. Uh, and so what I encouraged uh, everybody to do in my year group was to uh, teach the year three, four children in our own classes all together. Uh, so basically what that entails is that we teach a year three, four curriculum. Um, right. We teach all the year three and the year four objectives uh, to all the children and then we repeat it a year later. So wow. the, the, those children who uh, were with me in year three uh, get to more time uh, practicing, consolidating and really overlearning those mathematical concepts that they've already come up against in year three. Okay. And uh, how do you fit it all in? Um, fitting it all in is it, not easy. However, uh, one of the things that we have in year three, four, uh, that we can strip out a little bit, um, we've got all the times tables that we need to teach, um, which does take up uh, quite a, a small little chunk of the curriculum. So we take that out of our daily math lessons. Instead, what we do is each day we do a 20 minute skill session that's very much looking at fluency and mental maths. Uh, and so we uh, teach and practice those times tables during that time, which is just freed up a little bit of time uh, it's tight but we apart from that we do just about get everything in right okay and uh, I'm thinking about children doing the same thing for two years does that get boring for them uh, that was initially my worry when we first uh, got to that um, second year uh, and actually my first cohort I had in year three that came move up to year four to repeat it for the first time were a particularly high-flying cohort as well um, I think it's about how you organise the class. Uh, what we do is I predominantly have a year four child sat with a year three child okay. and I very much put the onus on them um, when we're doing any paired work that uh, they're going to take on a similar role to myself. They're not going to tell the year three child how to do it but they're going to ask questions they're going to probe the year three child and try and support them and I feel that if um, they've got that level of conceptual understanding then that's something they should be able to do um, also uh, throughout the lesson if we're doing some guided practice for example uh, I might differentiate that uh, a little bit as well uh, the other key thing though is when it comes to their independent learning um, because uh, obviously what I don't necessarily want to do is give them tasks that they've done the year before right. um, and what we're seeing is that those children who were with me in year three and other class other teachers have reported the same thing when they get into year four we're seeing uh, in a lot of cases children really kicking on sometimes the improvement is uh, uh, quite staggering and um, so obviously we then got that um, uh, difficulty that we need to make sure we're pushing them on appropriately um, so that's where you know we're giving them that chance to see if they can work at great depth um, we do allow children to, uh, within reason, choose their own level of challenge that they do when it comes to their independent work. Uh, and usually what you'll find is those children who perhaps struggled in year three, once they get in the chance to overlearn and practice again, the vast majority, by the time they get into year four, are becoming much more secure on those objectives. And those children who um, already show good security in year three, they're getting that chance to then move on uh, and deepen their level of understanding of the concepts that we look at. Right, interesting. And... Um presumably part of the uh, coaching your year three partner is is getting to greater depth yourself is that right sorry how, how do you mean it, for the year four child 
Yes. Is that is that a way of deepening their understanding? I, I believe so, yes, because I think they've got to stop and think. Uh, sometimes it's easy for a child uh, to sit there, they know how to do it, and they can just show their partner by drawing on a whiteboard or whatever, or uh, grabbing some manipulatives. But actually, um, what I try and encourage is that the uh, year three child, they're the one with the whiteboard uh, when we're working together in pairs. The year four child is going to ask those kind of questions, especially if their year, year three partner is stuck. Well, let, let's not uh, tell them what the answer is. What what kind of questions can you ask to uh, help them to um, further their understanding? And I think if a year four child is able to ask those kind of questions, then that's showing that they've got that conceptual understanding. Right. And in terms of planning for your teachers, you've now got three teachers teaching equivalent classes, haven't you? Does that yes. so is that helpful? We, we, we share out the planning. Uh, and we'll have um, different um, blocks of work that uh, different teachers might uh, plan themselves. Um, in the first year, I'd say the, the one um, factor that perhaps needs to consider in that first year, I felt it was a little bit more work, um, getting that planning uh, as right as we could, making sure that we were, uh, basically what we tend to do, if for example we're looking at, I don't know, say subtraction, or look at where the year three children are coming into us, uh, and where the year four children need to be by the end uh, of that block of work and what are they, then those stepping stones uh, to take the whole class through that journey. Um, so uh, there's a, initially there's a, a lot more careful thought that needs to go into that. Um, however, since then, in each year that we've um, carried on following this model, uh, we found that uh, planning does become less uh, time intensive certainly yes you still have to look very carefully think about the cohorts that are coming up adapting your planning um, but actually um, after that first year it's become a lot easier right and in terms of not getting children to repeat the task they did last year are you looking are you working on a two-year program or are you just having to keep a track of what, no. what tasks you did last year um, what what we do is uh, we and sometimes the differentiation in tasks could be that some children are working with manipulatives and actually working on the exact same task as another group of children. Um, what we're tending to find is if those children need those manipulatives again next uh, in the following year, if that's right for them, then they'll need that extra practice anyway. Uh, usually, what tends to happen um, is that children do tend to move on to a task that's that little uh, bit more challenging uh, than the one they did the previous year. However if it really is the case that uh, they've perhaps not progressed then having more uh, practice on the same task I think there's probably an argument there that it's not necessarily a bad thing right okay right let me bring Emma in Hello. okay are you are you teaching year three four as well is that right no um, I teach in key stage one okay um so do you want to tell me how you manage your class then please? yes well this year um, I am in a slightly different position that I have just got a year two class but my okay. previous 10 years um, <laughs> of teaching experience have been with mixed one two and mixed three four right, so I've taught okay. in both key stages okay. um, I think the way our school has tackled things is that um, we look quite we've changed our model a lot mm -hmm. so we've looked at what might be appropriate in different age groups in different phases as well as what might be um suitable for different numbers of children in a cohort and different um ability groups in how the cohort is coping with math generally right so um we've done different things in key stage one different things in three four and different things in five six right so lots of variables there yeah lots <laughs> of variables um and it's down through teacher discussion with discussion with our SLT about what's worked, what we want to keep and what we want to change. Um, each so time. are you changing every year then? Not every or year, but assessing. we're tweaking. We're right, tweaking, okay. we're assessing what's worked and what hasn't and what we need to improve. Mm. So, for instance, um, 
last at last year we in year three four we had a model where um, all children were in the classroom at the same time okay. but the teacher was either aiming their input at three or at four whilst the other children worked independently this year our numbers are different um, and we felt that because we can and it feels appropriate we are teaching year four in a very big group separately just over 30 whereas the year threes are in two much smaller groups right so because of our number change we're able to do that mm. and I think schools across the country have such, such different makeups. we're all dealing with different situations uh, with, whether it's two year groups in a class or more um, there are all different things to overcome and I think the discussion that we've had this morning that's been really clear is that there are lots of models out there um, and we need to pull those together to give a range of options um, to the schools that are shouting at us saying what about mixed age because I think mastery is just the most wonderful thing that we've we've got um, and the, the approach is brilliant for all it's perfect for everybody but how we deliver that um, in different settings is hard it's difficult yeah, yeah. okay so go, to go back to your what you were saying about how year three four were yeah. done last year mm-hmm. when you had them all in the same class but the teacher was aiming input at different yeah um, groups how did that work with the children working independently? How did you get them working independently? How did the noise thing work with having... Do you know what? It's, it, that's the struggle. It's yeah. not actually necessarily the planning or the delivery. Um, it is about the environment. And uh, the temptation is to say, well, we'll just deal with it. And I think actually it needs careful consideration. It needs planning. Um, I was having a discussion with somebody else about how we implement independent working in our children generally. And right. I think that's something that we, um, we can all do more for our children seem to come out of foundation very independently and at some point sometimes they lose that a bit so if we can help foster that through you know almost as an advantage of them having to work independently actually can we use that as a strength and work on how we get them to help themselves how we get them to use their classroom environment how we get them to use each other to support them are there a range of things that we can use so that these children can work more independently because that's only got to be a plus if they can. Mm. Um, the noise factor, you know, there are lots of classroom strategies and techniques that people use that's very personal, I suppose, um, to help with noise. But, you know, we also foster the idea that um, we're all trying to have respect for each other's learning time and that actually the year threes are really keen for the year fours to be quiet while they're learning. So we need to um, to encourage them to do that for each other. Right, okay. Okay. In one two, we do things. We've done things slightly differently in the past. Yeah, because presumably um, they're less able to be. Yeah, independent. they absolutely are. Yeah. And also, um, in our school, we work um, with uh, continuous provision um, mm-hmm. through year one and year two. Okay. So when we did have mixed year one two classes, um, I was able to deliver just to fifteen year ones, whilst the others were engaged in pro- um, in continuous provision with um, TAs that had had a lot of training in how to make the best use of that time um, and then we would swap over so I had a huge advantage of only teaching 15 children one curriculum at a time right okay Matt can I go back to you and ask you about your uh, key stage one does it work the same as your year three four Uh, I think uh, there are different challenges there especially at this time of year Um, ideally uh, the long-term aim is to get the year one two classes um, following a similar kind of model but at this time of year of course you've got children who are coming in from reception uh, you've got a real range there some of them that are more independent uh, you've got some that are still very uh, young in that year group as well and they're getting used to uh, slightly more formal uh, curriculum and 
so what we've tried to do is we've actually deployed our um, uh, in-class support differently. So in year three, four, we don't actually have any uh, teaching assistants during the morning during our maths lessons, but uh, we've moved them down to year one and two. And the reason is we want to try and get make sure there's an adult, uh, an extra adult in every class, mm. so that while they might be able to have an, indiv- uh, an input altogether, then they could have the year ones working on an activity uh, that might be at this time of year, maybe a little bit... Um, moving um, still in the same sort of vein as what they're doing reception uh, and the year twos can then work um, a lot more formally whether the te- class teacher decides to be with the um, year twos or the year ones that can then move around uh, but the long-term aim is that uh, uh, as, as the year progresses especially as and when children are ready that some children might then be identified as being in a position to um, cope with the um, way that we're doing it in year three four where they can actually uh, access both the year one and the year two objects objectives and then hopefully um, once you get into towards January February time the whole class is starting to move towards that more formal uh, approach together. Right so you're making decisions within the year as well but you yeah. might be changing model. Yes because I, I think you know it's all right for me being a year three four class that has no SATs pressure uh, and also um, uh, different issues of transition compared to reception coming up to year one you know I don't think it would be right for me to say to our year one two teachers well it's working well for us in year three four then you need to take this exact model Mm. I think this is what we're learning today as well absolutely um, you know there is no magic one there's no one size fits all approach and it's about trying to find what works best in uh, each individual context Uh, but as I say the the end game is to try and get as the year progresses the year one two classes to be more in line with uh, what we did in the rest yeah. of the school okay can I ask you about year five six as well mm-hmm. um so I've got a bit of a personal interest here because I had I my son was in a year five six class when he was in year five and I, I think the teacher managed it very well actually I didn't feel like he was under SATS pressure for two years but is that a danger um I think I think the pressures can go either way and actually I, we talked to, we have talked a bit about um how parents feel about the mixed year groups and I think that can be hard I think sometimes if a child's a year five in a five six class there can be that concern of such pressure but equally if a child's year six in a five six class parents uh, there's this certain uh, connotation of being kept down mm. you know I think that can um cause anxiety for people as well um I think there are lots of um, difficulties with our SATs and the pressures that are on children then. I think we try very hard again to deliver that five and that six curriculum as separately as we can, as much of the time as we can. That's one of the reasons. Year six have other pressures on them. Um, we want them to be doing all their teaching through a mastery context and that we work very hard to make sure that that's done and that the SATs aren't the only things on our minds. But there is a certain time of the year that they have to be ready by. You know, um, we want to speed up coverage. So, and the year fives don't have that pressure. So actually we don't need to speed through the curriculum in the same way. Mm. So if we can deliver that separately, um, whether that's them being in the same room or whether that's them actually being physically separated to deliver, I think that does make the year five, six job easier. Mm. Interestingly enough, um, I know that uh, uh, my year five, six colleagues were a little bit reluctant to take on this model. We actually had a situation where we had one cohort that was only, I think, about 34 children in. And uh, while they were moving through year five and six, it gave an opportunity where the, the year fives could be taught uh, together, this group of 34, and then the two year six, uh, the year six cohort could be split into two classes. And then that was repeated when that cohort moved up to year six. Uh, so I decided to actually find out whether there are other teachers out there following a similar approach to what I was doing 
specifically in year five six because again it's all right for me I've not got that uh, status <laughs> pressure uh, and I was really surprised uh, actually the most positive people uh, that I had on uh, following a similar approach were year five six teachers uh, I did a survey not too long ago and um, there the, the seemed to be um, the teachers from year five six were the ones who were saying that this this approach was having the biggest impact uh, there are different ways of doing it as well uh, even though uh, we teach uh, all the year three and all the year four objectives together I know speaking to other teachers they said that sometimes they might uh, aim it more at the higher year groups objectives and then tailor it down whereas there are some teachers who did it the other way and aimed at the lower year group and then ta- tailored up uh, for the higher cohort um, and uh, the one thing that I found from everybody I've spoken to in different schools pretty much across the board specifically in key stage two is that it's having a really positive impact really? Uh, that they're seeing the same things that um, you know children are really kicking on in that uh, higher year group out of the two that, that they're in um, and you know I've got to be honest this I think this is a model that perhaps works very well for two-year groups I think I know that I'm sure there are teachers out there listening now thinking well how on earth do I do that with um, um, four classes or uh, four year groups or even yeah. more <laughs> and, and uh, you know and I'm not sure that this model the way we work it I'm not sure how easy that would be uh, to adapt one thing I would say though going back to what Emma was mentioning about parents is that when it comes to parents evenings we've of, I've often talked to parents of children who um, might have struggled a little bit lacking confidence in their mathematical ability in that lower year group and I've often said to them uh, particularly in that second parents evening that we have in the year that uh, actually next year everything they do in maths they've already done uh, there's going to be no fear for them and it's going to be a great opportunity for them to really practice those mm-hmm. skills and those concepts that they've already had a chance to look at um, and, and, and this is what we see that children do become so much more confident and actually when you get that message across to parents they seem to um, I think it comforts them quite a bit mm. I'm thinking of those summer born children <coughs> as well who spend their school lives always being at the bottom of the pile and actually if they're if they're in the upper year group of a mixed age class then they're not going to be the youngest in the class anymore are they and I think so much of it is about the framing and is about the context actually if you're speaking to parents because you know it's working well and you're being able to put them at uh, um, to reassure them about the repetition then that's great whereas you know sometimes parents might feel oh but I'm a bit worried that my child might get bored if they're Mm -hmm. repeating a year but I think it is about uh, teacher subject knowledge and us getting across that actually what we're doing we're doing for a reason Uh, we're doing because we've tried things and um, and we know what's working at the moment um, and trying to get that across to parents um, I think is a really important message mm. So there has been a lot of talk this morning about how uh, mixed stage class teaching is more difficult and perhaps harder work and um, you've started to talk a little bit about the advantages for the children of, um, of being in a mixed stage class Are there any others that you want to, to mention? Um, or advantages for the teachers maybe? A big advantage for me last year with our model was that there were only 15, maximum of 15 children in front of me at a time. Mm. When I was delivering my input, um, or our back and forth kind of input for mastery, um, I was focused on 
15 children's learning, 15 children's understanding at the same time. And I felt I knew them better as learners in the context of their curriculum really, really well. And then I could turn to my other half of my class and know them as learners in the context of their curriculum really, really well. Um, And there were huge advantages to that. Um, And uh, people who were on my teacher research groups, it's something they commented on a lot. Actually, you've got this very small group that you can focus on and really, and the idea of marking in the lesson, you can get around all those children you can see what they're doing in the moment correct anything that's going wrong pick up those misconceptions really quickly address them in the same lesson so that management of a smaller group is is lovely i really enjoyed that element of it i think from from my point of view it's a confidence thing um often confidence is one of the biggest inhibiting factors with children when it comes to maths and to see the confidence of those children in that second year in particular where they've done this before um you know sometimes they might have to rack their brains a little bit and and uh, put that effort in into really remembering what they did but they're getting that extra chance to practice and you can see them visibly growing confidence mm-hmm. um and i know we mentioned we mentioned earlier about the possibility of boredom but i think then that's down to the challenge that you give to those children who've already co- covered that curriculum before i think there's always a danger of what i perhaps call superficial learning taking place um even though we're going to longer blocks it's still the case that children need to practice and they need to come back to concepts um that they've been taught before and given that chance to really overlearn um and, and i think it, it, if that happens then the confidence is only going to grow um so I'm, i want to turn now to what what you're now starting to do this year which is to run work groups within your mm-hmm. maths hub with teachers from other schools that are facing the mixed age class issue um, so do you want to talk about how you might think, see yourself supporting them, particularly perhaps the ones that have more than two, eight year, two years in there? I think class? the first thing I'd say about that is actually just coming this morning and starting these conversations, being in rooms with other people who are facing the same problems has been the first sort of bit of learning for us. Um, I always think when we're carrying out our TRGs or our work groups that actually we are there as facilitators. We're not saying to anybody for a moment that we've got all the answers. We're not saying to anybody for a moment that we've got the only thing that works. That actually even just from this morning having all these heads in the room um, and being able to discuss all these ideas and what's working for people and I think the nuance of of models as well. It's not just we split our year groups. Mm. It's that we're able to do that because we've got this space and because we've got that support and because we've got these numbers there are such um, a lot of other small factors that will go into the decisions that we make um, with our schools and I think once we get our schools with us on our work groups find out their problems I think that's going to be the first point is that we need to look at the schools as individuals and have it I think somebody this morning mentioned it like a help group (laughs) actually you know we need to air the difficulties that we're all having and look at individual solutions um, that we can discuss and support each other with and actually I'm looking forward to learning I've learned loads from Matt this morning I want to go back and look at the three four curriculum and see if we could mash it together better um I think we're all, I'm hoping to learn just as much from the experience of the people on my work group as I'm doing this morning. Yeah, I think it's key for me that even though I'm, um, I like to think that the model we've used has been really successful over the last few years, it might not be right for everybody else. Mm. Um, and I think, listen to what Emma was just saying there, every school's situation is different. Uh, and it's trying to share those um, difficulties that we're facing, uh, looking at what does work out there. And it, it, are there um, elements we can take from a particular model that will fit? Um, and, you know, we're not going to have... 
uh, the answer to everything but hopefully what I'd like to think we'll do is we'll be able to provide some support and, and I actually say for the models that we are looking at well people are having some success with them mm. so you know I th- it, it's worth um, considering some of the models that we're presenting to them and seeing how we can make it work in their school. And I think for a while, when people have come to us either on our TRG or people from the Maths Hub have said, oh, you've got a mixed-age class, what do you do? I've only been able to offer what I do. Whereas now, to, after today, I feel like I've got a much wider range of things, not only that I can try with my school, but that we can offer. Um, and I think for quite a long time, everybody's been so very enthusiastic about mastery, which is wonderful. Um, it was quite difficult for schools um, that had mixed-age classes to know how to get on the bus, how to start... Um, and I think the discussion this morning was actually it's really important that they know something about mastery already and then we can tackle the mixed age um, planning issue um, and that actually we just have more to offer people now as as a maths hubs groups we can we've now got some ideas together um, and because before it was just our own ideas what was working for us in our classrooms and I think perhaps the fact that this is now a national project means that we're having this day in Birmingham with people from all over the country and those ideas are being shared rather than all just in little maths hubs doing their own thing. Actually, I think it, it's, it gives some recognition to the hard work and the job that people have got to do in mixed age classes because it can feel like a bit of a slog and nothing really fits. Nobody's designing things that fit for you. So actually, even just having that space to um, to think about these things, um, I think is important. Yeah, I think, go back to what you said earlier, that, that idea of a, a group of people coming together who've got the similar issues and, and actually just having that headspace to talk, talk things through, uh, realise that you're not alone going through some of these struggles as, as a teacher we question ourselves all the time on the decisions that we're making and what we're doing for our children um, and yet actually when you realise there are other people out there going through exactly the same themselves then uh, you know hopefully that in itself can be comforting uh, and we can share some ideas that um, might mean that everybody leaves uh, the sessions feeling that there's something that they can really take away uh, and try and develop in their schools. Thank you. I think we might have teachers from this uh, in in their non mixed age schools going and asking if they can make all their classes mixed age <laughs> now. <laughs> um, what I will say to our listeners is that uh, there will be mixed age class work groups running in many many maths hubs across the country. So please do contact your local maths hub if you're interested in getting involved. If you don't know much about teaching for mastery, that might be the place to start before you start tackling the mixed age issue, as Emma said. And there are teaching for mastery work groups running in every single maths hub in the country. So please do contact your local maths hub if you want to get involved. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.